playing things or our favorite games. I just wanted to say what's up, everybody. Uh, we are calling all nerds, and you have answered the call. Welcome. The beacon is in the sky, if you will. We are your friendly neighborhood hosts, Tyler and Max, and we talk about everything within the entertainment zeitgeist, and we are so excited to talk about our favorite top 10 games of 2020. We thought it would be a great way to start out the year by just kind of uh, reminiscing about our favorite experiences in gaming over the last year. Uh, and I was just, Tyler, you were just saying a few minutes ago how <laughs> last year already feels like a blur. I feel like time is <laughs> at this point. Um, and yeah, I feel like I've forgotten some of the games I've played, honestly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we were both able to come up with our own top tens, mm-hmm. even some that are the same. Um, and if, for those of you listening, if you couldn't tell, Persona 5 Royal is definitely on that list. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and the list doesn't have to be game released in 2020, though I think for the most part they all are. Um, but we didn't we didn't limit it per se. Um, right. It was just more of like, hey, what game did you play in 2020? What was your top list of games that you played in the year? Not what our, you know, what our top game of 2020 were. So just kind of having that as a little quick aside, but... Oh, for sure. And, and just for everyone to know, this is really going to be our only main topic today just because yeah. of how long it'll probably take. Yeah. Uh, but we are still planning to do our other segments of we're going to talk about what games we are playing currently as well as some just a few upcoming games that we're looking forward to and anticipating. Uh, and then, of course, we will give you our weekly recommends of entertainment. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Tyler, did you have a question of the week in mind already? Um. You kind of gave me one when we were just talking just now, oh, as we were talking okay. about Persona 5. Yeah. Speaking of like games that you would buy, what's a game that you have bought on multiple like consoles and multiple platforms? Like it's just a game that you are just going to always buy. Oh, that is a great question. Um, it's usually a JRPG. Mm-hmm. Surpri- surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's all I ever play, and that's what I've. It's like a broken record at this point. I I literally like have three genres: JRPGs, uh, action adventure games, third party or third person, and strategy games or something like that. <laughs> Those are like mm-hmm. my three brands. Um, it it honestly for me is pretty much any Final Fantasy. I think I've I've bought. Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9 multiple times. Uh, recently, I bought all of them on the Switch because, like you said, honestly, the Switch is the perfect platform for JRPGs. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And honestly, when you when I think of JRPGs, I don't think of, like, visual and graphical um, amazement. Mm. You know, nope. like, you, like, JRPGs are normally very big, have full stories, but they're not usually the, the best-looking game out there. Um, by any means and so like when it comes to graphics it doesn't really bother me um, to play them on like a, a lower resolution because like if I'm playing it handheld on the on the switch it's in 720 yeah um, but I have found that uh, anytime Final Fantasy 7 is released on a new system that I own that I don't have it on yet I tend to just buy it because hmm. I just really love to support the games I love yeah. Um but I also just, I don't know, there's like a nostalgia factor to it where it's just like, yeah, I would totally replay this game again and mm. I want to replay it in HD, you know, or like the best graphical or, or like the best like way I can possibly play it. For the Switch, it's it's kind of like a convenience thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah how about you um so for mine it's actually kind of interesting it's stardew valley so i got stardew valley whenever it launched and whenever it launched it had like a pretty big hype around it a lot of twitch streamers were playing it uh it recently just got an update of 1.5 which oh that's uh I've been telling Max about a, a game topic news I kept forgetting about. That's what it was. We'll talk about it later. I'm going to put it in our notes, though. Um, okay. <laughs> so Stardew Valley, I got it whenever it first came out. And I really love the, like, f- uh, farming games and stuff. I don't know what yeah. it is about them. They just are so much fun to me. And so I got it, and I was like, wow, this game is great. So I played it on PC, and then I found out that it also came on... I think like my Xbox. So then I bought it on Xbox. Well, then I wanted to play it on my PlayStation. And then I found out it has it on mobile. So now I also play like a mobile version. Um, and so that game and Terraria as well. Uh, Terraria is kind of like a, I call it more of like a buffed up Minecraft where there's like a bunch of like, there's like mining and crafting and building, but you fight these like bosses and it's a, um, it's a 2d thing. So it's not like a 3d world like Minecraft, but it's like a huge 2d map that it builds like a grid. So there's like the top space and the lower space, uh, that game too. I built it. I started playing the two around the same time. Uh, and yeah. I have bought that on PC on both my consoles, and I also have it on my phone. So for whatever reason, Stardew Valley <laughs> and Terraria, I just kind of buy on anything that it comes out with. Um, That's so I, cool. For those just listening to, I did actually get my hands on a PlayStation 5, which was kind of crazy. Uh, and if there's ever <laughs> some like legit... Hey, this was updated for PS5 of either of those games. I would totally just do it because I don't know. I just love those games. They're like fifteen dollars. You know, they're they're not that expensive. Oh, yeah. They're fun indie it, games. They're good. Let Let's be real though. Like you know, Square Enix is going to re-release Final Fantasy VII Remake on the P, like a PS5 version of it. Oh and I'm yeah. Totally gonna buy it. Oh I'm yeah. I'm totally going to buy it. Yeah. Like that'll like, be I'll insane. And they'll they'll they'll. And I'm a chump because they'll charge a full sixty for it again. <laughs> they'll probably charge seventy. <laughs> <laughs> but man, oh, sixty frames with that game—that would be Oof. holy. Which cow. honestly, the game, good on Square Enix. That game holds up. I know, really, yeah. really well already. Yeah, it does. Like, I, I know it's not sixty frames, but like it's a beautiful mm. game. Oh, for like, sure. I I don't really call it a JRPG because really it's it's more of an action RPG at this point. Yeah. I guess it's, I guess it's technically still a JRPG, but, but graphically that, I mean, the game's amazing. It, mm. it looks so freaking good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Which, Hey, that's one of your top tens. Final fantasy seven remake. It is. I guess if you want, I can just jump right sure, into yeah, it. Man, for that for one it. on my list. Yeah. We can. Um, so we actually had three games between the both of us that were the same. Uh, as far as like our top list so we'll probably just save those for the last um and we'll kind of just so these will be kind of like these are the games that were different in our list um mm, but yeah, yeah kick it off man yeah that sounds good um what i was thinking is i would start with one and then go to you back okay. and forth just until we get those final three but i think yeah, that perfect. sounds great um but yeah i'll go ahead and start with one of honestly this is probably my top three of the year um final fantasy 7 remake this was a game 
honestly that had for me as much anticipation as I feel cyberpunk did. Mm. Um, and probably in a very, um, just kind of weird way, almost the opposite effect. Whereas with CD project red and with cyberpunk, the anticipation was, this was going to be a masterpiece mm. with final fantasy seven remake. There was very much the opposite kind of anticipation, which I think made it better was because you, people were kind of not expecting it to be as great as it ended up to be. A lot of people were actually kind of worried because, you know, the last few games that Square Enix had released haven't been that great. Uh, You know, Kingdom Hearts 3 was a very big disappointment and Final Fantasy 15 is honestly one of the worst Final Fantasies that has ever been released. (laughs) Um, Not, not, you know, not knocking anyone who loves those games, but they were just both very half-baked in both uh, not very didn't have a very good world built um, I felt like and um, so I think I, I I know I was very nervous about the release of it and you know how, how could it possibly live up to this masterpiece that was the original and the game came out I started it up and literally within the first five minutes I had chills mm. like I mean the the, the amazing like do, do, do. Mm-hmm. And just like the train jumping off the emo like i mean like everything about it was just like it, it was nostalgic but in a way that was new and it, it like they completely actually remade this game from the ground up to be the best version it could possibly be and it was glorious like i i could not put this game down i think i finished it in two weeks um, I platinumed this game. I played through it twice because you have to play through it. I, you have to play through it once, and then you have to play through it again on hard, uh, which kicked my butt. And oh, I normally don't do hard modes. Yeah, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, and, and it was it was difficult to say the least, but I made it through and I platinumed it. But I mean, the graphically, this game is one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. I felt like they did such a great job of, even though the gameplay is different. And honestly, there's a few story beats that are different as well. They really did a great job of maintaining the story the way the way that it was in the original with like their own take on it. Like obviously they're taking this game, this this remake series in a new direction, but it's a direction I'm excited about. I'm kind of excited that they're not just trying to remake the whole thing scratch for scratch, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, now we're going here again. We're going here again. There is still a lot of that, but there is now a lot of anticipation that we're going to go down a very new path. And I'm not going to spoil anything with anything I talk about, but, um, you know, outside of the graphics, the music in this game was absolutely breathtaking. Um, They just did such an amazing job of just having the full like symphonic versions of all the, all of these songs, bringing in new songs. And then they, they gave a lot more characterization to these characters. Um, Barrett, for example, was honestly probably like for me, the MVP of the game. Oh, he was good. Um, yeah, he was fantastic. And he had a lot more depth and a lot more character development than he ever did in the original game. And so for me, I almost feel like I love FF seven remake more because it made the characters more realistic to me. Whereas in the original game, you know, you, you just kind of had their the speech bubbles and and of course you still love these characters but you were always kind of detached from them in a way that i feel like nowadays with what you can make in in video games 
it, it brings a whole new depth to it. And it was just so amazing to kind of play through and learn more about Barrett, see his softer side, see his, see his weaker side, see Tifa and, you know, Aerith and seeing the depth that they brought to those two characters as well. Heck, Jesse Biggs Even and Jesse. Wedge. Yeah. Um, you know, they made Jesse pretty much almost a full like romantic option. I was in very the game. surprised. They really yeah. did her well. I, I like they her did. more than Tifa. And uh, man, I'm a Tifa fanboy. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, I love this girl. <laughs> I was like, what the, I know. what's going on? <laughs> it, it's so crazy because I'm the same way. I was, I'm such a Tifa fanboy. And honestly, I still was. But it, it was so cool to see yeah. them taking three characters that really were kind of, were, were really kind of small parts in the original game for certain reasons. But in this game, they gave them more time on screen because they're taking their time with the story this time around. They're saying, okay, you know, we're going to break this, this story up into like three, four games to really let you spend time with these characters and love them so that when these moments happen, it, it has more of an impact. And um, I, I love the developers for it. I, I really love the direction they're taking it. I hope they stay steady with it. You know, I, that is the one thing I am worried about with this game. I will say is I, I'm, Square Enix does not have a great record of release times. Um, and so I'm worried that like this, this, you know, new journey we're going to be taking with these characters is going to be a journey that we're going to be on for like the next decade or two. Um, <laughs> yeah, we to, could. To finally see the end we of um, where I was kind of hoping that, you know, now that they've built the engine, just, you know, chug it out like two, like next one, two to three years at a time. But yeah, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but we'll see. But, um, Long story short for that, Final Fantasy VII Remake is an incredible JRPG. Um, they did it justice for the original, which I thought was not possible. Um, and this game has been awarded so much, and it serves all the awards it has. And if you have not played Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, for newcomers or old school people alike, please play this game, because it is absolutely breathtaking. How did you feel about the uh, combat? I loved it. Um, it was kind of a mix between Crisis Core and mm. honestly Final Fantasy 15. Gotcha. I felt like in a lot of not not I'm sorry not Final Fantasy 15 Final Fantasy 12, um, where you know okay. you still kind of had your where you you kind of were doing turn based in a way, but the the way it's visualized on screen is very much like you you kind of got to still have that mobile mobile like movement where you can still do your normal attacks um as you move around and then once your gauge filled up then you do like a special yeah so i really loved the strategy of that how you kind of had to get good um and I, i thought it was great i loved the gameplay yeah they really took the whole um I think, what do they call it? Like atb or something like that they took that whole like action turn based stuff. yeah, yeah they they really just revolutionized it because it still had that style because, you know, you still have to wait for a certain thing, like a certain bar to fill out to be able to do specials. And obviously those right. specials are going to do a lot more damage than just your basic attacks and whatnot. And so um, it was still action turn base or whatnot, but it was a lot more. A lot, you didn't feel like it was turn based because you are constantly having the ability to like slash and slash and jump and all that kind of jazz. They, they did great. They did really good on that. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was so great. Um, so similar to Max, uh, this is a game that 
I've definitely have played in the past. Uh, and so this year, I think I'm pretty sure it was this year that the expansion came out for it. Um, so Pokemon is a game that I've been playing forever and Pokemon sword and shield came out 2019 and I went pretty hard on it. I did all, you know, I caught all the Pokemon and it was doing shiny hunting and the game kind of died for me because I, I just like, I really fulfilled what I needed to with it. Um, and in the beginning of 2020, the first expansion for Pokemon Sword and Shield came out. I don't remember the name of it, but it involved like a dojo and it released one Pokemon or well, two technically because it can revolve um, and a new part of the map. It was okay. It wasn't really that fun to me. It was just kind of whatever. But then uh, Crown Tundra uh, came out, which was a surprise for me because whenever I bought the expansion for Pokemon, I thought I just bought the first one. And I guess I got like one of those season passes or something instead. So I had Crown Tundra and I was like, oh, this is sweet. And for... For Pokemon Sword and Shield, one, this is the first Pokemon game to ever have expansions. Uh, in the past, it's always been they would have two primary games, and then maybe they would make a third one that kind of has both of them plus some added stuff. Uh, so, for example, uh, you'd have Pokemon like Ruby and Sapphire, and then Emerald came out. And then you might have Diamond and Pearl, and then Platinum came out. Uh, things of that nature is kind of what Pokemon has done in the past, but technology is different. They're able to have it on the switch now and downloadable content is obviously like the new thing, at least for Pokemon standpoint, DLC has been around for a while, but uh, so crown Tundra came out and it is so good. It really, nice. really just, I don't know if is revitalized the right word I'm trying to think of. Like it really brought yeah. back to life this game for me. And I found myself shiny hunting again. They finally released legendary Pokemon from all the games. And so like oh, Mewtwo yeah. was in there, but then all the way to like, um, some stuff even from like the last gen, like all these Tapu Pokemon and they had all these things. And so that was one cool thing. They added a entire new zone, which again, that was exciting. And then they took uh, the three legendary birds, Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno, and they gave them Galarian forms. So they look different and they also have added typings to them. So for example, like I think Zapdos is fighting an electric and then Articuno was like dragon and ice. And it was just really cool. They did them really well. They added two new Reggie's. So there used to be just Reggie Rock, Ice Steel, and Reggie Gigas. So now they have two more. I forget their names. I haven't got them yet. But So those are in the game now. So they added five total new legendary Pokemon. Then they added, a, I think, three mythical Pokemon, which was dope. And then on Ooh. top of it, <laughs> they added an entire new game mode where you and up to three other people can do these dungeons so to speak and in these dungeons you have four different tiers of pokemon that you fight and so these pokemon are gigantamax which are those massive pokemon that you fight and so you and your team of uh, four people are doing raids and so you do level one raid you do your level two level three and at the very end is your level four and it's always a legendary now the crazy thing about it is if you have a shiny charm, you have a one in 100 chance of getting a shiny. 
And what that is, is each tier, the Pokemon that you fight, you have a chance to catch them at the end. And those Pokemon could potentially be shiny. So each of them has like a, I think they each have a one in 100 chance. So in total, it's like a one in 25 per raid to get a shiny Pokemon. And so shiny hunting got really hyped again. You could get shiny legendary Pokemon, which obviously people are all about that. Um, oh, yeah. And it was just really fun. I, I played it on stream. I had some people come into my stream that I never met before and just like hop on raids with me. Uh, it actually brought Peter back to playing the game because it had been a while for him playing it. And it was just nice to see that like one, the Pokemon community still goes strong, right? There's still yeah. a huge following of Pokemon. And if you go on the Twitch, like the Twitch one and or the uh, the Twitch category of Pokemon Sword and Shield, there's still people shiny hunting and whatnot. But I feel like this definitely brought some people back. Uh, it added like a nice refresher because everybody from what I could read, at least I should say everybody, but most people I was reading online kind of agreed with me that the first DLC just lacked because you didn't feel like it gave you anything. It really was just like, hey, here's Pokemon that you've already seen. And then here's one new one. Whereas with this, you it was like, hey, here's more, you know, here's Pokemon you've seen in the past, but here's five new legendaries. Here's every legendary ever in the game. On top of it, all of them can be shiny. Here's some mythical Pokemon, and boom, like a new friend, like group raid thing. It was just really good, really well done. So I was very happy to see that Pokemon did that. And it, I don't know, it was just, it was a good time to play that. That's awesome, man. I I don't want to keep it too long, but I, I wanted to ask, um, do you like the direction that they're, that Game Freak is taking the Pokemon games? Like, do, do you think that they would do another game like Sword and Shield, or do you think they're mm. going to go a different route or keep um, on the path that they're doing? Yeah, I, I think there'll be a new one. I really don't like Gigantamaxing. I thought Megas were probably the best thing that Pokemon did. Uh, so mega evolutions were those evolutions that would just like temporarily make your Pokemon get like a little, it would look a little different. It wasn't like massive like they are in the Gigantamax form. Um, but it was like enough. And I liked that a lot more. I think the Gigantamaxing is a little much. It lags too much. I think it looks kind of stupid. So I, I don't like that direction personally. Um, the DLC stuff though, I think is great. And I would prefer a new game, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'd prefer a new game. I wouldn't want a third expansion. I think two is enough. I, I Because they kind of struggled with that first one, I don't really know how well they could pull off a third one. Um, right. The fact that they had legendaries is what really helped the second. So it it's kind of like I, there's not really any room for them to do anything else. And so I think it's probably just going to be a new game. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll move on to my number two, uh, which I think I'm going to go over uh, Super Mario 3D Trilogy, uh, which is uh, I have a lot of like remakes or like just you do, yeah. on my list. <laughs> yeah. I just realized. <laughs> um, so honestly, this this will be a quick one for me. Um I really just enjoyed revisiting the first, you know, the first real big uh, Mario platform games on like 3D Mario platform games. So Super Mario 3D Trilogy includes 
uh, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, and they were all released in one package on the Switch. And I I got to just kind of replay my childhood basically through this game uh, and got to play with my wife and with my sister. And I think the part that I really enjoyed the most was playing through Galaxy uh, because kind of like with Odyssey, uh, you can play Galaxy 2 player. So one person is kind of in control of the Luma who's within Mario's hat uh, in the Galaxy game. Whereas the other one's controlling Mario. And so it's like you're kind of working together to gather all of the stars. And, um, you know, there's no real story to these games. Everybody knows what they are. Um, But I just felt like, for the most part, they did a really good job of remastering them. Um, And it was just a nice way to reconnect with these old games that I truly enjoy playing with. Like, I kind of love having it so that when my son is old enough, we can play through them again and see how he likes platformers because I feel like they are kind of the the gateway almost into gaming in some ways. You know, you, you kind of have a, a very uh, vanilla kind of story or kind of basis of what you're doing. You're just a, 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 a guy named Mario trying to save Princess Peach and you're going to all these bizarre like little worlds to gather these stars and that's all it really is except you know it has some amazing uh just platforming um one thing i will say is that i feel that replaying the games i i've kind of realized that 64 and sunshine have not aged well uh when it comes to their platforming um especially i feel like 64 um but sunshine was was so frustrating I, i forgot how frustrating this game was yeah um, and, oh yeah it was <laughs> yeah it, it was in some ways in some missions i was like this is so broken i know like, like i know it's just so like like i would like barely move my control stick and mario would just leap like bounds across the room and i was just like bro like I, yeah and so galaxy is really like the one game that's like super tight super like okay this is this is a really great game whereas i feel like the other two are not the masterpieces that i remember them being when they were but are still very solid, very good games. And um, you can't play a Mario game without having a smile on your face. So I feel like <laughs> such a standard um, for any gamer to just, you you know what it is and what you're getting out of it. Um, but yeah, that's my number two, Super Mario 3D Trilogy. Very nice. Uh, so I'm going to go for same of like a cartoony style game. Um, yes. So this one, which I just found this out today, this game was originally called Gods and Monsters, and it was supposed to release in February of 2020. And then it got got pushed back, and then it released on December 3rd of 2020, and then it got its name changed to Immortals Phoenix Rising. Um, Never knew that that was a thing. I didn't even know it got delayed, which part of me wonders if you changed the name because it feels like it's a new one and it didn't get delayed who knows it was really fun though <laughs> um <laughs> i think i've talked about this i think i talked about this in our last podcast briefly um so it's probably kind of uh, you know there's not a surprise as to why i thought it was really fun um it really blew my mind because i was not a big breath of the wild fan i loved the uh, the concept of Breath of the Wild, I did enjoy some of the mechanics of Breath of the Wild, but I just I just couldn't get into it. Whereas Immortals: Phoenix Rising, to me, that game felt like 
it felt like breath of the wild was sitting at a party and then out comes in the front door is like ratchet and clank and they just like catch eyes and next thing you know they like mingle a little bit and then nine months later boom immortals phoenix rising just pops out and it was just so <laughs> good that <laughs> it is such just, a great analogy oh it's just so much fun because it has the quirkiness that ratchet and clank has um you know how like um uh, Quark is always like in your head narrating like in the most recent one he's like the narrator of the game you have oh, yeah. that with uh, Zeus and Prometheus and they have a funny dialogue the whole time but then you have the Breath of the Wild style of combat where you know it's like a, a slashy hacky slashy kind of game you have shields and bows and you could definitely tell that the style of uh, of that combat stuff is definitely taken from that. And then that still had the, it's a, it's an Ubisoft game. So it still had the Assassin's Creed kind of find a really high point, do your synchronizing, go you to different away from it. Yeah. Go to your different little stuff and like find collectibles. So it still had that, uh, which was fine. And you know, it, it got rid of some of the tedious stuff that I didn't like in breath of the wild, such as items breaking and things like that. And, I don't know. It was just it was just really fun. The um, the feel of the game was nice and tight. Uh, definitely was on a good engine, so everything felt nice. It felt it didn't feel buggy. I'm trying to even think if I had a bug, and I don't think I got like 25 hours in the game. Oh wow! Yeah, I don't think I hit a single bug, which I had on a PC, so I don't I don't know how it is on others, but it was great. Uh, so that that was that was definitely pleasing to not have any of those. Uh, so it definitely felt like they they had to have delayed it for a reason, obviously. And I'm I'm really glad they did because who knows if this game would even be on my list if it did release in February. You know, it, it may have been a total yeah. bust. So I'm I'm glad they waited till they did. It sounds like the um, was it the ten months extra that it took them was well worth it. Uh, it seems like general public really enjoyed the game as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it's pretty much the dad joke of like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it's just fun, quirky. You'll have a good time. So I definitely recommend that one to anybody who was kind of into that same style of game. Yeah, this is a game. I mean, Immortals Phoenix Rising. It, it's one that I, I constantly keep thinking about as like wanting to try. Because I'm, I'm yeah. kind of in the same boat as you, Tyler. Like I... I, Breath of the Wild did not click for me, which makes me super sad because I feel like every Zelda game is going to be that style now, and I'm never going to love another Zelda game. I'm really sad. If that <laughs> I know. Um, but it, I love the Ratchet and Clank humor. I wish more games had that kind of lighthearted, jovial, kind of silly kid style of comedy. Not many do it. No. Um, and it's super refreshing when it, one yeah, comes around. Is. And, uh, it's a good palate cleanser. I feel like when it comes to like um, having a lighter game in the midst yeah. of all these heavier stuff that, yeah. that take up 90% of the game space. Um, so that's when I, I feel like maybe at some point I'll like, maybe like see you or Peter pl watch play it and see if I could like, if, if it would catch my eye or if I would enjoy it. Cause if I would, I'm definitely up to buying it. Um, I'm just not like, sure if i would play it yeah like if i would like the game style i don't know yeah i think it is on the switch too so if that helps any um i can't say i don't know if it's like how well it looks on the switch because i 
you know how like some games on the Switch are pretty solid ports, but then some of them definitely take a hit. Like The Witcher took a pretty big hit going on the Switch. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, docked is probably fine, but but yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, I'll go ahead and move on to my number three, uh, which is, of course, the game I am still playing, uh, but I'm very close to beating, uh, probably will beat before the end of this month, uh, is Trails of Cold Steel 4, uh, which is the final game in the Cold Steel saga or the Erebonian nation. Um, and, I, you know, I, I feel like I talk about this game every week, but you know, this is another JRPG. This is a, a, a massive, um, uh, I would say a massive story within these games, every, every installment and a way to kind of talk about trails of cold steel. The, the name, the overall name of the, of the jaw of the, oh gosh, of, of the games themselves is called the legend of heroes. And the company that makes this game Falcom has in mind to create 20 games in total. And so we're about halfway through that that total with this being game 10, I believe, or game nine. Um, actually, I, I think it is game nine now that I think of it. Uh, and it's just as these games progress, as these sagas conclude, each new saga, which each saga is about three to four games, takes place in another nation on the continent of Zamuria which is the the realm this the the entire world of this of this uh of this universe in these games and so there are three titles there's trails in the sky trails of zero and trails of cold steel and trails of cold steel is really the game uh or the saga that kind of brought the Trails series into light for the u.s uh, because trails in the sky didn't really catch a lot of attention over here because it was released on the PSP. Uh, Trails of Zero, those two games have not even gotten a Western release. The only way to play those games in English is to get um, like a pat, like a, I think there's like a fan-made patch that you can use if you buy the Japanese oh, wow. version. Yeah, and they're like essential to the story. Like, like for someone like me that's like a diehard Trails fan now after playing the first two Cold Steel games and I became completely captivated by the story because it's these games. It's all about the story. Um, like I literally had to watch like plot summaries of the two zero games just to understand who these characters were because they appear in cold steel four. Like imagine Avengers Endgame, but for like the first three sagas <laughs> of this series, that is Jeez. cold steel four. Wow. Um, <laughs> Cause you have all the main characters from all these nine games coming Aww. together to fight. This is this a big one moment big for you, Max. The what? This is a big moment for you. This is great. I know. This game I, is I like huge. Yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> wow. But yeah, it, it's, it's been an amazing ride. I'm, I'm, I think I'm almost done with the game, but it, it, you know, it's really hard to get people invested in these games because it's such a hard entry point mm. uh you know like you it's kind of a lot to to handle uh, these games are long you know like these games are like 40 50 hours plus each um so if you're not into like j huge jrpgs like big epic games like these are not the games for you in the long run um but i think the reason why tr the trails games have now become like my number two favorite jrpg series of all time after persona uh, is because they do 
almost everything that they do better than any other JRPG out there, in my personal opinion. Um, and that's because I will say right off the bat, visual wise, like graphically, these games are not going to sweep you off your feet. There's nothing really to write home about. Um, but gameplay, uh, combat, like you, you never have to grind in these games. Like you, you constantly are leveling at the pace that you're supposed to level. If you skip over like enemies in the field and fight other enemies, they'll be more challenging. But once you beat them, the experience you obtain multiplies by what level you're at to get you to the level that you were fighting the opponent at. And so you're, you're constantly leveling at an equal pace. Um, even the world itself is constantly building. And one of the things that this game does that not many other JRPGs do is the world exists without you. Like you're not constantly going to new areas and there are people there that are just kind of cause and effect of we're here because we're supposed to be here to help you get farther in the story. No, every single NPC has a name in these towns. Every single person you meet has an, has a story, has an existence in this world. And even some of the areas you visit are from earlier sagas in this in this you know uh, in this universe of games now. So like if you go to a, another country uh, and you've played like say the Trails in the Sky games, you'll meet an NPC who who I think like one's name is Cargo, his name with a K, Cargo, and he's this little boy in the first like game like Trails in the Sky one, which was released back in like 2012 or something. And in Trails of Cold Steel four. That NPC is still there. He is now 18 years old and his story has continued. And so he's like, oh yeah, now I own the the vendor shop uh, and I sell weapons now when my dad used to do when I was just sitting in that chair running around the main character as an eight-year-old. <laughs> and it's just, un it's so it's so rewarding for for big fans of the game and the world itself. Like there's, there's always rewards everywhere you look in terms of the dialogue. Uh, the dialogue is is so incredible. And it's one of those rare games where you want to talk to everybody because everybody has their own story. Every single chapter you go back and talk to them, their story is progressing without you. Um, the world itself is just so, so visualized and so real. You can tell kind of like what Disney has made with the Avengers is they kind of have realized their ultimate goal of these games of like, we know how this is going to end. We know where we want to take this. And so we're just going to continually world build as we go through these games and keep these characters ongoing. And you don't see JRPGs do that. You honestly don't. Um, and I just, you know, these games are so under, under the radar. A lot of people do not play them. And it's such a shame, but uh, I cannot recommend Trails of Cold Steel 4 enough. It is the best story, the best world building, the best combat of any jrpg i've ever played um and it's it's one of my favorite games of the year yeah the series is really good max got me in on um the the first one that's the one that's the one i started on correct yeah trails he, in the sky yeah he um he got me on that one I, I mean i haven't beat it by no means but i um <laughs> i started it and i can i can already tell uh, just by the style of it. I mean, the one that I'm playing is definitely kind of like that. Uh, it gives you like the secret of mana kind of life or kind of style. Um, but it, yeah, they, I, right. I can definitely tell uh, how much effort and how much time and uh, I don't know, just like care was put in the game. <laughs> Heck, and I've only played it for like 
seven hours or so and i can already tell so yeah it'll be cool i'm excited to eventually get to that point and really like know a lot about the lore but it's been it's been fun hearing you talk about this game for the past few podcasts it's really cool because i see the passion that you have and i see the excitement uh, that you that you give off for this game so it's definitely rewarding and i hope somebody out there listening gives it a try too that'd be really cool to see yeah i'd love that i i'm, I'm so glad you're enjoying it too i i knew that like like i said it's very hard to commit time into these games especially because there's so many of them now yeah. oh, so yeah. it, it's almost like it's almost so like unnerving to want to jump in you're like oh i don't know yeah definitely (laughs) there's a lot going on here (laughs) yeah if i if i didn't have a ps5 i would be playing that because i already beat uh mortals so but oh snap yeah um cool so i guess outside of this whole story rpg kind of lifestyle uh there is a game that i i really enjoyed playing in 2020 and it was just there's not much to it it's just call of duty warzone you know, it's not a story game. It's just a multiplayer. Uh, I am not the, I'm not the biggest multiplayer fan, but I do love me some Call of Duties. Uh, Call of Duty was the first multiplayer that I played. Um, my, wasn't my cousin? Someone in my family had Call of Duty 2 Big Red on the PS2. And oh, fun. Yet, yeah, did you know the PS2 could go online and do multiplayer? I had no idea, but that game did, right? And so that was the first Call of Duty I saw uh, on multiplayer. And then COD 4 came out, and ever since COD 4, I've just really enjoyed the Call of Duty uh, multiplayer and, like, that whole lifestyle, I guess. Uh, And so Warzone came out, and Warzone follows the new trend of Battle Royales. If you don't know what a Battle Royale is, you're probably living under a rock, but... A battle royale is a game where you can either play as a solo, a duo, a trio, or a quad, which is four players. And you go around a map of typically around 100 people. Um, I think it can vary when you do quads, but that's not necessarily the point. Um, So you go around a big map and you fight other teams. And it is a last man standing kind of game. Um, Similar to, I guess, like Hunger Games, right? You, You drop in from a airship in Warzone and you land with it's just your fists and a pistol and you run around and you collect loot Uh, loot is typically ammo and weapons and armor Um, there might be like some perks that you find laying around stuff like that to kind of buff your character up and Call of Duty having an amazing amazing engine for first person shooters decided to jump in on this right so you had your Fortnite, PUBG, uh h1z1 you had games like that that were really defining what like a battle royale was so then call of duty was like hey man we're call of duty we make fps's all the time let's get in on it uh and when it hit it hit really hard i mean people are still really going hard on call of duty warzone uh oh yeah in my opinion there's two battle royales you have fortnite and you have warzone and they do it perfectly because fortnite is definitely one style of battle royale with the whole building aspect and that more cartoony uh look to things and then you have your call of duty warzone which 
it, it's not realistic by no means, but it's more realistic than what you're going to find in like a Fortnite game. So you definitely hit, it, it's like a 50, 50. It's like you got, you like, you have one side, like in the, that style of game and you have the other one, like in the other style of game. And it was just a really refreshing thing to kind of just see call of duty be like, Hey, you know, you don't play us for our multiplayer or you've always played us for our multiplayer. Let's give you something and let's see how long it can last. And it's done great. I mean, the game has one map and it still is super playable. It's so wild. Um, and so I had fun, you know, I, I, I still watch, um, like famous professional Twitch streamers, uh, play the game today. I jump yep. on it every now and then myself, though the game is like 120 gigs, so I, I don't typically have it downloaded. <laughs> um, but it was just fun playing with friends and, you know, kind of getting all that whole whole experience going and stuff. And every game feels like a new game because you just have no idea, like, what you're going to find. You don't know, like, what other players you're going to go against. Sometimes you have these just, like, high-tier going, like, crazy players and then other times you you're fighting people who are like shooting backwards and walking upside down so it's like it's always just fun to kind of just see what you're gonna get so it, it, it was enjoyable it was a good multiplayer game i like it dude that's awesome uh okay let's see all right so my number four is another switch game uh and that is paper mario origami king and so this was uh, not a game that I thought I would enjoy uh, just because <laughs> oh, yeah. I found out very sadly that it was not following in the footsteps of Paper Mario 1 or Thousand Year Door, which are both just masterpieces in my opinion. Um, and it was very much following the same style of Sticker Star and Color Splash, which were like the last few iterations of Paper Mario because... For some reason, Intelligent Games is just taking the series in a completely different direction. I feel like, you know, from a lot of articles that I've been reading, I, I hear that, you know, a lot of it is control um, that Nintendo will not allow them to have. Um, for example, uh, characters that they introduce in these Paper Mario games, they can't bring them back as, as returning characters uh, into each new installment of Paper Mario, they they all live oh. within its one within its one game outside of the core characters that yeah. are already known, like hmm. Bowser, Kamek, hmm. um, Toads, Peach, Mario, Luigi, all of the characters that you know and love that have been around for since the beginning. They're always in those games, but any new characters that they introduce, new partners, new new um, you know heroes, stuff like that, they're all contained within the one installment and so i feel like in a lot of ways because of that control that nintendo has it's it's kind of unfortunately stilted yeah the paper mario series in a lot of ways i feel like they don't have enough creative control which is really sad um but honestly i was very happily surprised with origami king um i did not think that i would enjoy it but uh it turned out to be the best Paper Mario game I've played since Thousand Year Door. Nice. Um, thankfully, both myself and my wife played this game. We both really loved it. The humor in it, the comedy, and the dialogue is so witty and funny. Oh, that's good. Um, 
Yeah, the, the graphics are beautiful. They did a really great job with the origami statement. Um, so in this game, basically, no spoilers, but you kind of have to know, like, the beginning of it is, you know, Princess Peach is hosting this origami festival at the kingdom of, of Toadstool, and this this one origami character uh, who is the origami king decides that he's going to take over the world uh, and turn everyone into origami. Uh, and so, and so as Mario, of course, you have to go through what the world. A plot. And That's so funny. I know it's, it's hilarious to me. It, it like, they always come up with like a new paper yeah. kind of, yeah. uh, style. And I, I think it's very clever and I, I love the ingenuity that the, the, um, the studio has, um, and just the story of it is really fun and it's it's a very very good adventure they kind of bring back partners that you haven't seen like like the the partner partner kind of style that wasn't around since thousand year door which was a, a nice addition and the honestly the levels themselves are really great uh and every level kind of has a lot of a lot of creativity around it that i really love um, but the main factor of these games that was a surprise to me is the combat. And, you know, they've kind of gone away with the turn-based combat that was in the original games to more of a kind of puzzle kind of style where Mario is in the center of the of the combat circle and the enemies are surrounding him in these little, like, circles that that can be slotted around and so you have to maneuver them in a way you have like a select amount of turns to maneuver them, to bunch all of the enemies together and to take them out in one go. Like that's always your goal is you want to have like a perfect run with your attack so that they can't attack you because otherwise they hit really hard. Hmm. And so as the game continues on, the puzzles get a lot more difficult. The enemies will be farther away from each other and you have to, you'll, it'll, it's almost like, unwinding a, a rubik's cube because like all of a sudden you have like three moves to be like okay i gotta move this circle over here yeah i gotta pull this this row down so that all four characters are together so i can hit them all with my hammer and um at first i thought it was going to be super stressful but i found it to be really enjoyable it was a really fun like little puzzle solver uh that really tested your intelligence in a lot of ways yeah that's cool um yeah and so i i really love that i really what they did with the story and it, it makes me excited for paper Mario again. It makes me excited to see what they do next. Uh, maybe in the next four, four years, if they decide to do another one, but honestly too, this game sold very well. I think part of that is due to the fact that uh, switch is selling really well. And honestly, any switch game that comes out usually sells really well. Also uh, that's like from a Nintendo studio. And so uh, I feel like they did very well in sales that they will be coming out with another one. And I hope they kind of keep this trajectory. If they, if they can never go back to the thousand year door style, I hope they keep going the path that they're going with this one because I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. That's cool to hear. Cause I was definitely pretty adverse when I saw the combat, uh, watching the trailers. I was, I was, too. I was yeah. pretty hooked. I was like, man, this, this looks great visually. But the combat yeah. is like, oh man, that looks so weird. But I, I think it's going to be one of those games where if I ever do see it on like a pretty solid sale and I'm kind of like, eh, there's not much I kind of want to play. I, I really would like to give it a try uh, just to like be able to one experience a uh, a Paper Mario game, both handheld uh, and on like 
like a pretty big console, you know. So that that's cool to hear. I'm I'm glad to hear that it was it was worth it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. It was it was a great surprise uh for a year that needed good surprises. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um which, you know, that's a great segue into mine cuz this game really surprised me. Um so this one was I think this was the first game that I played whenever I got Game Pass and it was Ori uh, and the Will of the Wisps. Now, beautiful games. I'll be real with you, I did not play the first one, but I don't think I really had to cuz I understood everything in the game. Maybe there was some like uh, not necessarily Easter eggs, but there could have been maybe characters or like things that were like, "Hey, we're from the first game." I'm not too sure, um, but it didn't. I, it didn't like affect my gameplay. I, I still had an absolute blast uh, with this game. I I cheered on this game at the Game Awards because I was really hoping that it would get. Uh, one of the music tracking, I forgot what the award was called, but the music, oh my gosh. So Mm -hmm. the way, the way that, it is incredible. The way that Game Pass works, that's very weird. Um, If you do not download games to the SSD, to a SSD, they act really funky. And I, I say this because it actually has a little bit of a purpose. So I, I originally downloaded this game on a like a different drive. And I played it with my headphones on and stuff. And I played it on stream. Um, and as I'm going through it, I'm like, holy crap. Like, this game sounds awesome. And for whatever reason, when you're on a hard drive, there's some audio blips that happen. Where, like, you'll hear kind of like a broken record kind of, like, style of audio kind of breaking and whatnot. And I had to just fully delete the game and re-download it and just start over because I wanted I knew that it wouldn't be some, it wasn't something I wanted to miss. I wanted to make sure that every cutscene I hit, I was able to get that full experience and not have any like kind of brokenness happen because of audio. Like the audio just holy cow, it it was so good. Um moments that were sad, you felt it. Uh, your character, you, you don't have, you know, you're a mute character. You're, you're a wisp, you know, so you, you don't have dialogue. People around you do, but it's not like, it's not like they talk outside of like a, a, a generic kind of like narrating voice. Um, and so as you're going around, it's a very sad game. Like, there are some sad moments and oh, yeah. the mixture of your character, like, the character will droop right and you could tell like it's sad and then the music it's all like this orchestrated style and the music starts getting really sad and then the combination between the sound of the game plus the music just meshes well like maybe a sad moment happens and you're in a forest and it's raining and you hear the raindrops in your headphones kind of all of around you and the music is really sad and the world around you slowly gets darker and like more gray because like because something happened the actual like forest is dying right and so everything right. just slowly decays and I'm like, holy crap, like I am in this. Like, I am I've never felt 
the emotions that I felt in a game like I did with Ori, which I just think is so wild because I'm like, whoa, the Ori of all games. Like I, I wouldn't have guessed that, you know, going into this by no means. And, but then, you know, then all of a sudden, like something happy happens. And then you're like, you get all excited. The music gets bigger. You know, the, the scenery gets brighter. Your character is more alive. And you're like, I feel more alive. It's so wild. Um, so the whole experience from start to finish was amazing. It was also the first game of 2020 that I started and completed. So it's like kind of like the first game of the year that I beat fully. And I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't call it combat. It's kind of a, it's similar to hollow Knight. Like you do have like some combat, but a lot of the other fun is like jumping around and like doing cool little like maneuvers as you go around this like 2d map and stuff. And then there's, there's like time trials and you have abilities where it's like, you know, if you hit spikes, you might die and respawn. And so you have abilities to kind of like dive or catch on to certain things and, you know, repel other places. And so it was a very tight game and i assume the first one also had the same very tight structure to its gameplay uh, but the gameplay was fun the story was incredible it made me cry i was so sad and so happy uh, there was fun collectible aspects which i if a game has collectibles i'm in i just love collectibles <laughs> so it had some yeah. it had some fun collectibles max would you would love it because it had progress bars for each map location so you knew if you did 100 percent because it would tell you 100 uh oh. so you you knew how you were going throughout the game it was great uh some of the boss fights were infuriating they were tough <laughs> but <laughs> there wasn't like a you didn't have like lives if you died you just kind of like restarted you know it was because it, it's one of those games where you're gonna die and they know that so you just kind of get brought back to a checkpoint and retry um, but it, it was good. You know, I, I'm I'm not disappointed that I didn't start with the first one, and I'm more eager to try the first one. Uh, so Ori, Will the Wist, it was a top game that I played, and honestly one of the top games for me of 2020 that like was released in 2020. It was just all around a great game that I only had to pay a dollar for. <laughs> I know. I- you're right. I, I've. It's funny. I've only played the first game, and you've only played the second game. Yeah. I can tell you. Like, I, I can tell you right now. Blind Forest is is just as good uh, as well as the Wisps in terms of how it touches you, how it tells you the story with no voice acting whatsoever. It's all through music and it's all through visuals, and it's it's such a beautiful story. Um, so yeah, definitely when you have the time, definitely play Blind Forest because it's it's incredible. Yeah, and um, wear headphones. Just wear headphones because it just makes it so much better. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, so I'm going to move on to my number five. We're getting close to the end of our individual ones before mm. we tackle our together ones. Um, and the one I wanted to talk about, it, it's very weird. Uh, and uh, So this is Control Ultimate Edition. Um Really, the game is just Control, but they released this year the Ultimate Edition of it that included all of the DLC. Um, and I'm just going to start with kind of a plot synopsis just for, from myself about this game because it's kind of hard to to really understand what this is. Um, <laughs> it's one of those really wacky games that I love when they come out with these kind of things. If you've ever seen the show Twin Peaks, it's kind of in that same kind of vein where it's it's all like 
supernatural affairs in the real world. Um, so basically what takes place is you, you play this character called Jesse and she arrives to find her brother who works for, or I'm not sure if he works for, if he's being held by, um, the, this investigative bureau or the bureau as they call themselves, uh, within this building called the oldest house. And the reason it's called the oldest house is because it's the oldest building in all of, all of creation. Uh, and it's only this this building is only able to be seen by people that that have the ability to see into the astral plane, who have the ability to see into other dimensions. And so you play this character, Jesse, who's very odd. And she goes into this you go into this oldest house that has, you know, m- you basically play through the game in this giant just pyramid of a building that is constantly changing, constantly moving itself. It's alive in, in, in ways, you know, this building is alive. And so you come across the bureau, uh, or I'm trying to think of what his life would be. Uh, he was like the director. Yeah. The director of the building, like he was the head honcho and he committed suicide with this gun and she picks up the gun and it registers to her and all of a sudden she has all of these abilities to levitate to basically fly around the room she can use um telekinesis to pull any object around you to her and then throw it um to break things everything in this game anything in this in any room you go into is breakable um and so she uses she basically uses this gun which is an object of power uh which is a fun little uh uh, an anagram uh they call these things oops they're, they're <laughs> oops uh object of power uh because these things they the basically what the bureau does is they find these objects of power in the real world obtain them because they're they can cause a lot of damage to people uh and bring them back to the oldest house and and basically research them see what they do and then document it and then hide them away and put them in a box of millions of boxes of oopses <laughs> and so now you're in this house uh that's hilarious house where, the what that's hilarious <laughs> oh yeah it's it's amazing and like the game the story tells you none of this you kind of you you pick it up as you as you go because there's what's happening is there's no one in this building except you for the most part everyone is being uh everyone is floating around you like in this like catatonic state because of the, they basically opened a portal to another dimension that brought in these beings called the Hiss that are basically trying to break out of the oldest house and basically destroy the world. They're they're these like mind-bending creatures. And so as you are, it's very, the game is very eerie. It's kind of horror-esque because as you're going through these rooms and into these new sectors of the building, there's just people floating everywhere and they're all talking. So like if you're wearing headphones, you can constantly hear them like whispering these words that are not their own words. They're from the hiss that are just like, we are here to take over this planet. Like Ooh, just creepy. random, like nonsense stuff, you know? And, but it's very scary. And, uh, but the game, the combat of it is just so addicting. That's the only word I can say is, is like, it's, it's so empowering to be able to just kind of like shoot with this gun, with these like bullets that can, pierce through dimensions and destroy these hiss beings and uh you're using your telekinesis to to blow things up and like it's so much fun and as you're going through the oldest house 
you're finding just random objects of power. Like it could be a slide projector. It could be a toilet. It could be a <laughs> laundry machine, whatever, whatever it might be. You can find it. You can battle it and take away its power. And so you're basically fighting a toilet that has the ability to teleport itself into different sectors of the building. And you have oh to find a way gosh. to beat it so that you can take that, that power from it. And so as you're progressing through the story, you're gaining more and more powers that make you more powerful um, to get to the end where you basically are trying to, you know, protect the world uh, from letting these things get out. And this game kind of came out of nowhere and people love it. Like it is just so engrossing. There's not really another game like it. And one of the things I love most about the, this game is the, the humor of it is because throughout the building, you can find documents or videos of people explaining these oopses, these objects of power, and they write them out like they're writing out a, a presentation or writing out an article as if they were part of the IRS or part of the Federal <laughs> Bureau, you know, like like very like serious, like, oh, yeah, we found uh, object of power number 626. Uh, that's a stitch reference. Um, basically, like, you know, saying like, this toilet has the ability to teleport itself into multiple dimensions. We found this out when a woman sat on the toilet and all of a sudden she was in uh, California on oh the Golden word. State Bridge. And it's like, it's like, it's so funny the way it presents itself, but is also kind of scary because it's like, oh crap, like these things can be very harmful. Mm. Um, and that's all I really want to say about it is just this game is complete bonkers. It's so addicting, so much fun. You got to play it if you have any interest in like third party action games. Um, you got to give this game a shot. It was on sale on Steam for the holiday for like 20 bucks, uh, which is crazy cheap for this game. And it's a long game. Um, so definitely get into it if, if you like that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah, I, I always, whenever it came out, like the originally. I remember I got nominated for a lot of awards, so yeah, that's cool to hear. Uh, let's see what else do I have on my. Oh yeah, this is a good one. Um, so I'm a big fan of uh, of turn-based games. I'm a big fan of uh, like the the strategy style turn-based games. I talk about Divinity and how that's probably like my favorite game ever. Uh, and along those lines, this game also came out and. It's called Wasteland 3. Um, now, I didn't play the first two, but my friend recommended them to me uh, before Wasteland 3 came out. He was telling me because he knew of like the style of games that I played. He was like, hey, man, I bet you would really enjoy these Wasteland games. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I might give them a try. Um, they're definitely older, so like the graphics wasn't the most appealing to me at the time, and you know a lot of other things were, a lot of other things were coming out, so I didn't get, I didn't get to play the first two. Uh, but Wastelands Three is part of that whole Microsoft suite, so it was also on the Game Pass, and so I was like, hey, you know, it's here. Why don't I Why don't I give it a try? And it was it was really good. I didn't get to beat it because it's just crazy long, and eventually I, I had I did have to stop my game pass for like money reasons and stuff. But the the thirty thirty ish hours that I put into it, gosh, they were so good. Um, there were definitely some quirks. There were some bugs. Uh, they weren't they weren't game breaking bugs, which was great. I didn't have any I didn't have any like quest issues where I couldn't turn something in or 
something happened to where I wasn't able to actually progress in the game. So I was at least thankful for that. Uh, but there were definitely some combat glitches, audio glitches, and th things of that nature. But Wastelands 3 is definitely a really good turn-based strategy game that if you are into games, let's say like Baldur's Gate, Divinity, original Fallout games, um, Desperado... Yeah, maybe not Desperado so much. Um, but if you're into those kind of games, this is this is definitely it. It's like a... It's like a, a Wild West meets the future like you got a lot of these like cowboy kind of style characters but there's futuristic guns like you would see in fallout where you would have these like energy rifles or whatnot um there was some really funny funny dialogue for sure some goofy characters existed in here where you know like people who are experimenting on pigs and the pigs make funny noises or they, they might be talking and there was definitely some creepy parts. You know, there were some weird, like, um, like psycho clowns that you had to fight every now and then. But, uh, the map was huge. You, you and your team of, I think up to like four or five people, uh, you traveled in a vehicle and that vehicle took you to different parts of the map and it might bring you to a new zone. It might bring you to a small zone. Uh, it could be like a big one. And within each like town or area of interest, there was always so many different quests, at least in like the more major ones. Uh, and you could definitely, it's, it, it's one of those classic play the way that you want to play. You could be a bad guy. You could be a good guy. You could be a good guy, but be chaotic. You could be a bad guy, but do it like stealthfully. You can, you know, you can really play the game that you want to play as sometimes there's repercussions. Um, you, like most games like this, you have the ability to create your own characters. And then there's also character, you know, NPCs that you meet along the way. And your actions will definitely affect those around you. Uh, you might kill somebody and like someone on your team might hate that and be like, why did you do that and leave you? Or you might do something great. And the person's like, oh my gosh, like you're amazing. And you know, we, we like award you for that. Um, so there's just like, uh, there was just so much to go and to do into that game. I think, um, I think I could definitely use some polishing and I'm not sure if they, I haven't really read up too much about it in the recent I, I played this early in the year uh so it, i hope that it gets some polishing because there are definitely some tedious aspects to it that i i don't think a lot of people will enjoy um you know these <laughs> these real-time strategies this turn base it really is not for everyone right they're very slow pace um it's it's a lot of thinking making sure that you know your next actions did you make the right one because it might hurt you you might accidentally you know do something that didn't play out the right way next thing you know your team's dying so it's it's hard it's it's uh it's not it's not an easy game by no means but it was really enjoyable so i was glad nice. that i was glad that a strategy game at least caught my eye i typically find one every year uh, part of it is because I play Divinity every year, but I was glad that a game that wasn't Divinity caught my eye. So that was that was good. <laughs> That's an accomplishment right there. It for is sure. a huge accomplishment. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I, I think this one will be my number six. Um, so this one is called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. 
And this is going to be kind of a short one for me because honestly, I honestly don't really know how to explain this game. I, like, I, I loved it. Um, it has one of the best stories I've played all year. But the story is so... It, it, it's brain melty. It's kind of like one of those that like once you once you play the game and understand it, it makes sense like if you really think about it. But this game revolves around time travel, uh, multiple dimensions, uh, you know, like physics, like string theory, like like all this stuff, cloning, androids, AI, like like this is the ultimate sci-fi anime show in a <laughs> video game, basically. Um, and what I can say is that 13 Sentinels is it relates to the 13 characters you play as. This is a kind of a point and click adventure game. Like it, it's kind of it's kind of split up between two different sections. There's the story, which is in a told through like a point and click adventure style, where you can choose between the 13 heroes and you play through their stories, and they all interconnect at different points in their story. Uh, but you see it from all 13 of their point of view. So it's a long game. Like you, This game, I think, took me about 30 hours in total to beat in terms of the story. Um, but it's it's basically a game about these 13 high school students, very anime-esque, um, that find out that they have these powers that allow them to summon these, um, these giant mechs. So this is very much like Neon Genesis Evangelion kind of thing. Uh, where they can summon these mechs that they have to use to protect Tokyo and protect Japan from these monsters, these kaiju that are appearing that are here to destroy the world. And so when it comes to the gameplay, when it comes to the battles that you play, uh, it's real-time strategy where it's kind of top-down and you're just, you, you pick six of the 13 characters, you have like a sector of the town that you have to protect uh, and you just go out and you have to dis eliminate all the kaiju using your like missile launchers, your laser attacks, your swords, shields, whatever, what have you. And it's all an active time battle strategy. And that's part the parts that I really enjoyed the most um, because it was just so cool. It was, it was kind of a cool idea to, to kind of have a mech game where you fight giant monsters in Tokyo. I kind of really dug that. Um, but the story of it was just really awesome as well because... This story is just so complex, but once it ends and you kind of wrap your head around what exactly happened, it, it's mind blowing. Like I, I will not. There, there is a reason this game was nominated for best narrative this year. Um, of course, no one played this game. For <laughs> I tend to play games out like no one's ever heard. Um, but it, this game is is brilliant in its storytelling. Um, it just, but just with all of the different science references that it has, the anime plots, it can be very convoluted to even try to explain it. So I'm not even going to attempt to. <laughs> uh, but I highly recommend this game if you really like real-time strategy or if you like visual novel point-and-click style adventure. Uh, let's see. What is one on mind? Uh, don't want to do this one. Don't want to do this one. Um, I'm going to say this one. Uh, so... This one was, uh, I, uh, it's kind of funny. I don't, I have a pretty short experience with this game and that one is Hades. Uh, I have a short one cause I, I played it when it was in its early, early access. Uh, I didn't get to, or I, I did. 
Yeah, I did eventually play the uh, the 1.0 release, which I'll talk about that. But so I played Hades out of the whim. It was on early access on Steam. It was on sale for like, I don't know, it was like seven dollars. And I was like, sure, this looks fun. So I got it. And yeah, it was really fun. The combat was cool. It was uh, similar to uh, Dead Cells. It was was a similar style to Dead Cells where you just traverse a bunch of dungeons. Uh, Though, has Greek mythology, which, man, I feel like shove Greek mythology into a game, and uh, you got me too. That and collectibles. (laughs) Probably why I liked (laughs) Phoenix Rising so much. I just, as a kid, Greek mythology always pulled me in. And so this one is obviously you are Hades' kid, and you are trying to escape to go uh, see your mother for the uh, your first time. And when I played it, that part wasn't built out. Uh, so you fight bosses at the end of each zone. Ultimately, you fight Hades himself. I'm sorry if that was a spoiler. I wouldn't think so because it's kind of obvious that you would. But So you, you fight Hades at the end. And that's it. At least that was it for me. Because at the end of it, it was a really <laughs> funny dialogue. It literally was just like, hey, congratulations. Thanks so much for playing the game. Uh, that's all we have right now. So just imagine <laughs> that it literally said that. It was like, so imagine that you won and that something really cool happened. But for now, you're going to die. And then your character dies and you respawn. And so, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. And I was like, oh, hey, okay, that makes sense. It's early access. Like, I get that. I, you know, it's not done. Okay. And I put the game down because it took me a while to even get to Hades. And I was pretty rewarded after that. And so I stopped there. And the funny thing was, is I got all hyped and I, I, I kind of re-pumped myself up. And I was like, all right, cool. Like 1.0 dropped. I'm going to finally play this game because I hear that it got its thing. So let's let's grind this out, baby. So I started the game. And apparently my last save was at the end and I saw the final scene already. It was like I just defeated Hades and it took (laughs) me right after defeating Hades. So I got to see the ending of the game and I was like, all right, cool. That was fun. And I just, I was, that was it. That was, that was my experience with Hades. that's amazing it was oh it was great because i'll be honest it was pretty rage inducing to get to hades because man that game was hard (laughs) and i was i was pretty happy that i got to technically see it without having to like watch a youtube video Uh, right but it was fun it was it was really cool again my list of 2020 just seems to be games that caught me out of nowhere uh i didn't expect to like it truthfully i didn't expect for it to get all these uh the awards that it did i I think it is because i didn't play like the full thing of it i totally respect it and i assume that there's probably so much polishing that was done whenever it got fully released uh but it was it was a good game and you know i i suggest it if it's on the switch which i'm not sure if it is i bet that is like one of the best switch games because it's totally I would totally just like sit in handheld mode and play that game. It would be really fun. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if it's on there. If not, hopefully it will be one day. Uh, I, yeah, I could, I could see it. Yeah. I could. Oh, okay. I see. I could see it probably selling well on there. So that oh, was a sure. good one. Nice. All right. And so this is kind of my last one. Number seven after, until we get to our top three or not top three, but the three that we both played. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
and that is this is probably honestly my favorite game of the year just in terms of the impact that it had on me uh and that is the last of us part two um this game kind of speaks for itself um it's very divisive uh it is very sad it, probably the most depressing game i've ever played in a lot of ways yeah, holy it is, cow, yeah it is raw it is heavy it is dark it is gritty it is is bloody um <sighs> This is very much a game that challenges people uh, to really force perspective. Um, and I really love games like this. I really love games that are not afraid to to do something that's going to make their audience angry um, to tell the story that they want to tell. Um, I really respect that. It's very You don't see it often because it's, it can be very frightening for a developer to do it, to lose people. Um, to keep with the vision that they're wanting, even if a lot of people, you know, don't agree with that vision. But I honestly love that people don't agree with it because it keeps the, it keeps the conversation going. Like this Mm, is a game that once you play this game, or at least when I played this game, I wanted to talk about it for like three weeks afterwards. Like this was a game I did not stop thinking about. um, Once the credits rolled for quite a while, I, I cried multiple times in this game. The voice acting is incredible. I know we've talked on this podcast before about the the voice acting of like Ellie and and, and Abby uh, and their and their stories. But you know, I, one thing I I won't talk very long about it, but I will say you know this is probably one of the, this is probably I would say like one of the top three best looking games on the PS4. It completely uses its graphical quality to the highest it can go onto this platform. Uh, this game is, I felt like the combat was very good. Um, you know, it was terrifying. The sound design was great, but you know, I love the use of, uh, music when there was music. Cause honestly it was pretty quiet. Most of the game. Yeah. Uh, but, but the story itself was, it was the main reason you should come around to this one. Um, this is not for the faint of heart. Uh, but it's a story about kind of what you're willing to sacrifice um, to get, you know, kind of kind of what you're willing to sacrifice to get revenge. But not just what you're willing to sacrifice, but are you willing to forgive? Uh, are you willing to to empathize and, and see where someone else is coming from? And so, you know, this 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 was the game that really kind of made me understand the title of The Last of Us. This is, you know, I really feel like in a lot of ways why it's titled Last of Us is it's kind of like the idea of us versus them. Uh, and that's very much like this game of like what happens when the world falls apart and all that's left is people and then people need something new to hate or new to fight. And we just as people tend to fight amongst each other and destroy ourselves from within. Um, you know, it's a tale as old as time. We've seen dystopian stories millions of times, but I feel like this game really, but I've never like actually played out that story where the game kind of forces you to play in the perspective that, you know, and then all of a sudden halfway through, you are forced into a perspective that you never wanted to play in. But as you go through that perspective as Abby, you can't help, but sympathize with her, or at least that's what you what I would hope you're able to get to is, and that's kind of what the game is hoping to get you to is it wants to take a villain and, and make you fall in love with her um, and realize that she's not a villain. She, she's, 
someone who has her own hopes, her own dreams, her own people that she loves. It, and I just thought it was very beautiful in that regard because at the end of this game, at the very end of it, it's about, it's about hate, but it's also about forgiveness um, and what you lose if you can't forgive soon enough uh, or if you're unwilling to. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil anything about this game if you haven't played it, but uh, I cannot recommend it enough. It, it touched me deeply uh, and it's a game I'll never forget. Um, and I loved what it did uh, yeah. for me. Yeah, I remember whew, man, that definitely had an impact. And I remember us talking about how it was such a weird time for it to come out because things were just, oh, yeah. you know, it was definitely pinnacle of all things COVID and being at home and even the developers were like, we're so afraid to put this out because it's so sad and we don't need more sadness. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but there, you know, there was definitely some some fun and happy, which was cool. Um, it was enjoyable at some parts of the game that were like kind of some light and you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is good. It feels good to take a breather real quick and maybe like hear a music song or something like that, but... Yeah, it was a like take on me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like that. It's like one of the best covers I've heard of that song before. Oh, I know. It's so good. Uh, all right. So my last one before kind of our combined list, uh, this is, man, this is a goofy game. Uh, so this <laughs> one is fall guys, man. This game was so, this game was fun. So oh, it was, so uh, good. outside of, I don't know if we'd consider that one multiplayer, but like, Outside of like Animal Crossing, if that's not really considered multiplayer, this was definitely the multiplayer of COVID. It just seemed like, man, this game came out and everybody was playing it. And oh gosh, it's just, it's just a goofy kind of dumb game, but it's fun. You know, it's hard. I still haven't gotten a dang crown. The game ticks me off sometimes, but oh yeah, I've um, never gotten a crown, man. Are you kidding me? That's uh, so hard. Uh, so I guess like a quick maybe what the game is. You're you're this like bean, the uh, b e a n bean looking character. I got arms <laughs> and legs, and you got that kind of goofy rag rag dolly kind of uh mechanic to it and you and a hundred other beans are running around different maps doing just really weird stuff it could be like who can you know the first oh, oh and there's a hundred players so it's like hey who's the first 75 that can cross the finish line with all this like random obstacles and you just that's all you do you just you, there's about five maps or not there isn't five maps you play five maps amongst like probably like 30 or something now and it's battle royale style right so at the very end there is a single winner and that winner gets a crown um you know there's cosmetics for the game and again as you can imagine there's a hundred of these little rag dolly beans that are just running around maps that are very narrow there's a lot of places to fall there's a lot of places to get hit obviously the game is called fall guys uh and it's just oh they all make hilarious noises you hear like it's just oh man basically like like what would you say like ultimate ninja showdown oh my gosh meet, yeah meet wipeout yeah like oh yeah with <laughs> mighty beans as like your main characters um 
say it was a goofy one and i feel like a lot of people tried it they they their model for the game was pristine because when the game came out it got hit hard and the game also was free for playstation plus users and the whole thing was like well hey if you even want to play it you need to have playstation plus because it's a multiplayer game and so there were so many people playing this game because getting access to it was pretty was pretty easy which was nice i'm really glad they did it that way um and it was it was fun, you know. I just if I was just feeling like a goofy little multiplayer, I'd play it, and it definitely satisfied a few hours of cravings. Um, and so it was it was cool to see. I always like to see like the kinds of multiplayer games that I play in a year. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that a Fall Guy would be the the kind of game that I would want to play. But hey, yeah. you know my list That's this, the game year's, we needed this year. <laughs> it was it was just so much fun, and they're still doing updates to it. There's still, you know, new characters and all that kind of fun jazz. So I, I don't necessarily think I'll be ever going back to it anytime soon. But it was good for what it was, and it kept me entertained. So, oh yeah, on the list. Well, I know uh, we're running a little long, but and we still have three games to go through. Mm. But I know that we can kind of talk through these last three together. Yeah. Um, maybe we could do like a five-minute quick rundown of our thoughts on them. Yeah, um, that works. If that works for you for yeah. each. Uh, but which one did you want to start with, Tyler? Um, you know, I thought it'd be kind of fun if we kind of did it in like a uh, like what was the game? Like this game, I think, is really what kind of like this started covid especially for our area because like when the whole we were still at our old job they just announced working from home and i i don't know it was like the week after something like that or even the week of of like this whole like hey you are working from home now this game launched and that was animal crossing and this Mm. game had an impact not just on max and i's life probably everyone in this world (laughs) i mean people were buying switches left and right to get their hands on animal crossing system seller like i don't crap i don't i don't even want i don't even know how much money how many copies of this game have been sold dude for sure like i remember switches were getting priced gouged because people wanted them so badly because it was like hey we're you know we're stuck at home what do you guys want to do and it was like well let's play animal crossing it appeals to like so many people and i i I remember hearing all the stories about like your wife and julie and like how many hours were shoved into it holy cow I only, I honestly only played this game for about twenty hours. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it, but like I, I normally don't stay in these type of games very long. Yeah. Because I'm such a story driven guy. Yeah. But I love it. I mean, I love everything it stands for. I love how light and friendly it is. I love how calming it is, the music, the mm-hmm. characters, the the villagers. And it's such a it's just a dream, you know? It's just kind of like a it's the ultimate escape game. It's the ultimate like I am living on this perfect island with my perfect friends. And we're just having a blast. We're just having a good time. You know, we're, we're, we're building buildings. We're making roads. We're making whatever we want to make. And I agree with you. I think Ruthie and Julie combined put in like 150 hours. Into Holy this game. cow. That's they, wild. They literally did everything you could possibly do in this game. And Ruthie just recently rebooted it 
to start the island over and has already gotten a lot farther this time. <laughs> That's great. And um, I agree with you, man. This was, this came kind of came out at, it's kind of like, pro, <laughs> like it's almost like fate that it came out at this time because oh, I, I, I definitely feel like this game succeeded because of when it came out in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Cause you were stuck because, at home and you got to like yeah. quote unquote go out right you you got to live like an outside life kind of in this like right. animal crossing world and it's so light it's so it's like the complete opposite in a lot of ways of last of us part two it's it's very oh, much just a, a, total a, a game of of optimism and fun mm -hmm. and it just was a shining light you know like in a lot of ways for for gamers because you literally just got to play games this game that was just so lighthearted and fun and punny mm. and it's just it was just a perfect game uh, i honestly think it's such a perfect game and i can't wait honestly for, mm. to see what they do with it next yeah because um, you know they're gonna do another apparently 22.4 million units what oh my word bro super smash bros ultimate got 19.99 breath of the wild got 18.6 whereas sword and shield got 18.22 22.4 million years the most like is that like the most sold game of all of switch it's gotta be dude that's insane numbers. yeah it's gotta be if it beats smash and breath of the wild that's crazy oh here we go mario yeah. kart 8 26.74 was Mario Kart 8, like, so it must oh, be like okay, second. Yeah, yeah. yeah New Horizons like, is the second best That's selling. almost like you, you almost oh have to get Mario Kart gosh. on any Nintendo console. Like, it's almost like an, a requirement. <sighs> that's insane. <laughs> that's so many copies. Well, if that says anything to you all folks that are listening, 22 million copies sold of a game. I mean, hey, numbers aren't, any, aren't everything, but that's a lot of copies. <laughs> they probably made back like 20 times as oh much. Oh my as they gosh, I bet. Oh jeez, that's awesome. I love that though. I've always been a big oh, fan of Animal Crossings. I've and I've always I'm very happy that they've stuck to this like pocket lifestyle. Don't get me wrong, I love the GameCube version, right? And I liked I like those oh, ones. Yeah. But whenever I got like Animal Crossing on my DS and like on my 3DS and if I got to play on Game Boy or something like something about having it pocket style. Uh, and I know Max and I have, you know, beaten the dead horse at this point. Switch. They just do it right. You got the portability. You got the docking and Animal Crossing portable and just having the ability to dock is just it, it's it's everything to the cake that just makes it so good. It, it really is an incredible game. And that's why I'm saying, Nintendo, if if you ever hear about our small little podcast here, release a Switch Pro that has mm. a portable Switch version with an OLED screen that allows for oh. 1080p graphics. Do oh. it, you cowards. It is oh. not that hard. Oh, please. Please. <laughs> I want that so bad. We are past the time of 720. Give us 1080p. Like, Dude, you can YouTube, do it. YouTube it took off the HD tag for 720. 720 is no longer considered high def. So let's nope. let's go. Come on, 1080p or bust. That's right. <laughs> oh man, which one? Which one do you want to talk about next? Oh uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start this one. So um, I, I feel like it's appropriate to end out with with uh what we began this podcast with. But mm, yeah. for this next one, I, I'll say Ghost of Tsushima. Um. This was a game I feel like 
that did not have a lot of expectation coming for it, um, mm. but really surprised a lot of people. This won a lot of gaming awards, like as like new IP, like best new IP, uh, best gamer game. You know, it, it was just such a rewarding open world. And so the story of Ghost of Tsushima is basically your, your typical uh, Japanese folklore story. This is about Jin Sakai, who is a, uh, a samurai uh, of noble birth, uh, upon the nation of Japan, uh, way back in, I don't even know what period of Japan, like back when the Huns were, were, um, you know, trying to invade that that's, ba that's basically yeah. the whole thing around this is that the Huns, the Mongols are, are invading Japan to take it over. It was during when they were trying to kind of do the same thing as Alexander the great of taking over the world. And so Jin Sakai is, fending off these Mongols with his uncle and his family, and they lose uh, very badly. Uh, and this isn't spoilers. This is very much no, like yeah, the yeah, prologue yeah. of the game. Yeah, this is um, the stage. Yeah. And uh, so you, you survive, but then you have to figure out how you're going to re retake your home uh, that has now been kind of taken away from you. And you have to figure out how you're going to do it. Uh, if you are going to follow the way of the samurai, the code of Bushido, or if you are going to take a darker path to get things done in a way that's going to cost less lives, but is to the Japanese culture in that time considered dishonorable. And it's such a cool idea. It was such a cool idea for a story of, of really Jin Sakai kind of, do you stay Jin Sakai the samurai or do you become the ghost? Mm. Do you become this this almost being of legend that no one believes is real who's taking down the Mongol invasions and you play that. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why this, at least to me, and um, let me know what you think, Tyler, but I think that's one of the reasons why this game is so effective is, is you feel like you are taking back your home one piece at a time. You feel like whatever choice you're making is, is really, molding who you are and who you are in this world to the people in, in your nation. Um, and the game rewards you as such, uh, no matter which path you take. Um, and it, it, the story is so great. And I just think it's such a beautiful game, like so many yeah. captivating moments of just beauty of, you know, of, of Japanese beauty, like of just like cherry blossoms, the ocean, the bounding mountains, the the colors popping everywhere. It's one of the most gorgeous games I've ever seen. Um, and for a studio that went from Sly Cooper to Infamous <laughs> to this, it's such an accomplishment. And um, I cannot wait, because you know this is going to be like a trilogy of games. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I want more. Just yeah. give me more Ghost um, of Tsushima. Yeah, it, um, you know, I, I advocated this for Game of the Year. Uh, I definitely thought that the the things that this game brought to life was awesome. It was one of the few games that it wanted to take away everything from the HUD, but not in like a, oh, you're playing hardcore mode of a video game. It was more of like it wanted to take everything that was a distraction and it wanted you to be into the game. And by doing so, you didn't like lose out on things. You knew what your health was. You knew like the items that you had, like that was still visible in a small sense, but there wasn't this 
you know, this like quest marker that was always around it. You, you followed by the wind, right? Like the wind guided you. And I oh, thought that was so just brilliant. such, yeah, it was truly like a brilliant concept. Cause like, yeah, you, you don't really think about like how much a mini map or like a compass or something like adds kind of like a layer onto a game until you play like ghost of tsushima and i never mm -hmm. really felt struggled where i was like man I, I wish i had a mini map or man i wish i had a quest like it was so nice to not have that and that i knew like sure i can you know i could press start and then i could get to a map and i can make a quest right. marker somewhere but i knew that hey yeah the wind is going this way so i i know i'm going the right way and i get to just I feel like I'm traveling to where I'm going. Um, yeah. I like games that do not force upon you uh, like stealth or whatnot, which this game does not. You, you really can, if you want to just be a true uh, kind of like classic style uh, uh, train samurai where you, you're all about honor and it's like, fight me, you know, one-on-one. -on -one right. And then Stand fight. Off. Exactly. And so you can totally do that. And that's, and it's okay if you do it, you can be stealth and both sides are just equally as challenging. Um, and so it was nice. Cause like, sure. I do like stealth. I enjoy it, but I, I, I just like going in and just being OP. Cause it's just fun to be like, look at me, fight me. And then you just start taking on people left and right. And you got like eight running from you. Yeah, yeah. You got like eight guys coming at you. You bring out your bow and your bow looks dope. And you got this sword, you slice a dude's head off. And man, it was, it was just really good. Music was great. Sound was oh. awesome. Um, it had collectibles, just saying, being able oh, to yeah. like explore. It was, it was a good game. It will, it'll do well. It was almost a perfect, it was almost a perfect open world game. Oh, like, I know it's, it, it really is why I wanted it. I was like cheering it so hard for game of the year. And like, part of me wishes maybe that like it was this year. Cause I, I knew how strong last of us was going to be. Um, and then, hey, you know, it had a Sly Cooper Easter egg, which just pull up my heart, why right. don't you? <laughs> uh, one last thing I want to say before we jump into our number. Um, depending, I didn't realize this until uh, I read about it, but depending on how you play the game, because the game monitors how often you fight face-to-face -face with enemies mm -hmm. or if you go in stealthily as the ghost. Yeah. The weather changes yes. Uh, more. Yes. So, like, if you are more so of the code of Bushido throughout the course of the game, the farther into the game you get on the island, the more sunny and bright yep. outside it is, um, blue skies. The farther along you get playing as the ghost, the darker the game gets, the more rainy it gets, thunderstorming. Yeah. Um, so, like, it, kind of to your reference of the wind very much whereas you know japan has so much love for their gods of like of weather mm -hmm. um so like the wind like the cop it's kind of like the whole idea of the kamikaze you know like like kamikaze the term kamikaze um like wind of death came from the actual historical version of what this game represents is the hun army the mongols in, actually invaded Japan and were all destroyed on their way to Japan because of a giant storm that appeared outside of monsoon season. Like it, it should not have been there. And it appeared hmm. and Japan called it the kamikaze uh, because it was the wind that delivered them 
from this invasion. Oh, that's and so, so cool. Yeah, and so I just I love I love mytho- like mythology and just just cultural representation of Japan about that because it, it always brings in, into it the wind. There is never a moment in this game where wind is not blowing your yeah. costume or something. Like it's always there. It, it's almost a character in itself. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. I I had no idea about that at all. Um, and then twelve seventy four. That was the uh, the time frame. I did a quick look up. Ah, so twelve seventy four was kind of like the time that this was uh this was based off of. So it was it was cool. It was funny, you know that the uh what was it? The meme was like Westerners made a great Eastern game and Easterners make a great Western game. <laughs> I know it's kind of ironic <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, sweet. Well, I guess to really tie it in full circle, we end with where we began. Uh, and that Medicine is Dude. persona, persona five. Ah, so good. It's just like, how do you, how do you even talk about perfection, Tyler? I mean, like, I know. You... Cause it's just like, it's like they give you a game right and they're like hey you want to buy this game again and you're like yeah okay and it's like all right well here's like every dlc and you're like oh wow nice oh and here's like a cool grappling feature that like kind of helps get through the game faster oh uh, okay and hey here's an extra 20 hours of story (laughs) yeah and here's some some more story and like the fact that you could also platinum this game in one playthrough, if you actually do it right, I also want to just say is such that's a great... A that's like... That's impressive. Because, oh my word, this is a big game. And the it fact that you can 100% this, I feel like that alone took development time to like make sure, like, okay, we got to make sure that the trophies we meet or we make can actually align with a single playthrough if you follow this exact path. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I, I love it. It's such a testament to Atlas. I, I love their games. Persona, the series of Persona is my favorite JRPG series of all time. They just, they... Yeah, yeah, it's so good. They, they got it, man. I mean, the, the, the aesthetic, the this game oozes style. It mm-hmm. oozes just, just this this inky, like thick colors like that. I just, I love and, it. It is like a dating sim. Yeah, meets, yeah. meets turn based action, dungeon crawling, uh, school days anime. Like, but in all the perfect ways. Like this yeah. is. And there's so many cliches, but in all the cliches that as anime fans we love. Yeah. And it, it's just, I mean, there's a talking cat for God's I know. Sake. It's so much fun, too, that, like, romancing has a purpose. Now, yep. you don't, you can still achieve, um, like, the second phase of a character without, like, quote unquote becoming in a relationship but when you do like max out your confident you just like it feels like cool i didn't just waste time like i remember just in persona 5 the first playthrough i did i think i chose on as kind of like the girl that i pursued and whatnot and so she was also like the first confidant that i maxed out and so then seeing her character like evolve and then seeing what that meant when i went into 
uh, like someone's heart. I was like, oh, cool. Like her character unlocked like a cool new like look and her stats are better. And I was like, yo, this actually makes sense. Like I, I just romance with her. Like we're dating and like it actually has a purpose. And I feel like a lot of you. Yeah. And you know, that kind of gets missed a lot in JRPGs and some of them were like, you'll have a romance and it's kind of just like nothing really is affected and sure there are some times where like throughout the story like if you romance a character you may not necessarily see it in the overall ching like main storyline um but it's just it was fun to see that that was like a feature in there that i didn't feel like i was wasting my time on and uh they just did it so well the combat is fun it doesn't feel like a dreaded turn base like it doesn't feel like really old and boring it's so refreshing with the spell casting and the different style attacks physical ice fire all that kind of stuff and uh the different characters they had it's just so good so polished yeah it was such a beautiful and perfect game honestly i i I truly think it's perfect it's just it's so good royal just made it even more perfect and like it uh, just to give a brief synopsis of the plot for people that have not played this game, um, like so, basically what happens is you are uh, the main character. He does not speak because you kind of put yourself onto the character, um, mm. but he gets basically his life kind of gets turned upside down for something he didn't actually do. He stopped this corrupt politician from harassing a woman in his neighborhood, and because of the power that this man had, he got put into juvie he got expelled from his school and his life just kind of got destroyed and he was sent to live with this guy in his barista shop in his attic um and then you just go to this new school in japan you meet new people new friends and you decide that you want to stop all the corruption that's happening around from those darn adults that (laughs) darn this is very much an angsty teenager (laughs) game of like we are going to to change the hearts of these corrupt people in our nation that are destroying it from the inside. And, and um, in a lot of ways, just like you were saying, Tyler, I feel like this game is so special in how it does character development. I feel like more so than any JRPG character development and persona is the best there ever is. Oh yeah. It's because that's what this game is about. It's about relationships. Mm-hmm. It's about ma- maxing out confidence, maxing out your friends. Not only does it make them more powerful, it makes them more powerful because they realize what it is that they want to be. They realize their purpose. Yeah. And so it's a beautiful thing in a lot of ways because they kind of, your persona, each character has their own persona that they kind of hide behind that kind of represents who, who they, who they are. And it evolves like their, their, their personality evolves through your friendship with them, through things that they realize about themselves. And this game is all about people changing and trying to make the world a better place and changing the hearts of people that are terrible and changing them for the better. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's such an optimistic game and such a loving game. And I, I love that about it. Cause there's definitely, it's totally like those animes that you watch where they throw in a character that you're meant to hate and you do like you really are just like oh my gosh this person's the worst and it kicks it off right away because you see uh, your main character you are always at the brunt of things and the whole point is that you also like 
evolve your own character as well you get things up like your like your likeness um how charming you are how strong you are etc and it's very slice of life right you live a teenager's lifestyle but you live a teenager's lifestyle that like there's always rumors about you there's always people talking behind your back whispering things about you and the friends that you have around you also have it you're you're with a girl who people always think just hooks up with people you're with a guy who like got people in trouble you're with a you know the, misfits basically. you are and like, you you live this life and you fight those who really want to bring you more down and it's i mean the first character that you meet in this game gosh they set him up so well to where you're like i cannot stand this guy and yeah. when when the resolution happens for this character the way they do it the besides the main character the two who you have achieved or have um progressed with at this point have a very strong relationship to this person to this enemy and the way it resolves is beautifully and very strong and you really feel it and it, it, it makes you think like man if this was real i could see this like i could see you know these teens struggling with yeah. this and oh. it's just like so well done on how oh, the execution you, yeah. was you you nailed it you absolutely nailed it because like any other studio could take this scenario with this antagonist and just make it a simple revenge story. Yeah. Let's cut them apart. Yep. Let's destroy them. Let, let, let's just give them that catharsis of just completely eliminating this person from the planet. And the way that they resolve it, like you said, it it feels real. It feels true to yeah, life. It, it does. Like, no, this is how we're going to show that we are better than you, mm. but also make it so that you want to better yourself. Yeah, because they are kids at the end of the day, right? And it's like... You play some games where you like you are a kid and you're like, wow, I just like killed somebody or like I just off somebody. And it's like, how real is that? Right. And then you play these teenagers and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, like I would do that if I was in their shoes. I would totally like yeah. try to resolve it this way. And oh, man, that's a that was a game that yeah. brought me to tears because I was like, oof. and there's I want to play it. Just talking about it makes I me want to play it right now. I know. <laughs> there's so many deep stories of like depression and anxiety, but then there's there's like happiness of like true friendship and like people just sticking out their necks for each other to just keep things going. And I and, don't know. And the, re and the real beautiful part about that friendship is you literally play this game day to day for an entire year. In game. yeah, yeah. But by the end of the game you you have that weight you have that friendship of like yeah i've hung out with these people every single day of my life mm -hmm. i fought with them i've cried with them i've eaten with them i've gone on dates with them i've i've gone to like theme parks with them on vacations mm -hmm. with them so at the end it yeah it brought me to tears because i was just like this story is ending and i don't want it to end. I like I, I want i want them to keep going and it's uh, it's such I don't know how any other JRPG has ever thought to replicate that in any way. And I feel like in a lot of ways, no one else can do it the way Atlas does it. And honestly, um, good luck to Persona 6. Because, oh, bro, good luck. Like, that's going to be so... <laughs> it's I, thought Persona, I thought Persona 4 could not be beat. And Persona 5 blew it out of the park. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this game came out of nowhere. 
Peter randomly bought it and he was like, Hey, I think you'd like this game. And I was like, okay. Yep. Like 80 hours later. And I was like, yeah, I, I think I like this game. <laughs> yeah. I think it's amazing. Oh man. Well, 2020 was solid. You know, it, it had its yeah. ups and downs, it but we had some, we definitely had some fun. I'm glad that we were able to kind of talk about the top 10 games uh, that we at least played throughout the year. Um, I know time wise things are cutting pretty close. Um, we still definitely want to hit some of like, at least the, what we're playing in the entertainment. Uh, we have a pretty small kind of upcoming, uh, there's not too much kind of given to this whole world of, uh, 2021, but is there anything else you want to kind of talk about before we hit on those? No, not really. I mean, I thought, I know our upcoming games are our our anticipated games it's kind of a short list so i thought we could just run through those three kind of super quick and then we could talk what we're playing and then hit our entertainment dope sweet yeah um so biomutant i'm not sure if we've talked about this in the podcast i know max and i have definitely talked about it uh so biomutant was a game that was teased uh, 2019 maybe at this point yeah. i think it was uh it's a thq nordic game and you're like a like a mouse character like a mouse or like a rat i, I can't i can't remember like the exact or a cat maybe a cat it's one of those kind of animals uh it looks like it's a you know an action We're adventure suckers for like a humanoid I, <laughs> I promise you we're not furries we just like this style we are not <laughs> um I, I i just read an article that i sent to max earlier apparently biomutant is expected to launch within the next few months which i think is cool uh i don't think this game's gonna be game breaking by no means but it, it looks really fun and i i definitely was anticipating it so that is exciting to see um max put on here hitman 3 so it looks like that's gonna be a is that a january release of this month or or is it like a anticipated coming sometime i'm not sure when hitman 3 comes out but that's a that's a big one the hitman series is a huge huge series oh oh i think i lost max real quick no i might have lost tyler Oh, I think his audio is coming in differently i do hear him but his uh his mic i don't know what happened with his mic Hold on, everybody. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Hit, uh, Hitman 3, that's an anticipated game. That was the second one kind of on our list of what is up to come. And then this one, it's not a upcoming. It was just released. Uh, Stardew Valley had their 1.5 release. Yeah, We'll just wait a moment while he uh, he gets his thing going. I think I see that Tyler's ah. talking, but I can hear you. The green ring, but I can't hear you. <laughs> oh, he can't hear me. Oh no! I'm gonna message him. Oh, okay, good. You can hear me. Cool. It's um, so weird that I can't hear you anymore. I don't know. Um, but if you want Tyler, I mean, like, uh, if you. Why I, I really didn't have anything to say about Hitman Three other than I thought a lot of people would be interested that that's coming out this month, which is kind of super exciting for that one. Uh, yeah, cool. So I'll just kind of chat about Stardew real quick. Um, so Stardew cool. Valley. Yeah, go ahead and chat about Stardew, and then when you're ready, I would say go ahead and go into what you're playing, and then let me know when I can talk about mine. 
Sweet. Uh, so Stardew Valley came out with a uh, 1.5 release. So if you want to see kind of like the full notes on what is happening around there, you can definitely do that. We have the links in all of our descriptions and whatnot. Um, so there was a ton of new content that that brought in. Um, but yeah, so I guess since we're having some mic issues, I will just kind of kick into the games that we are playing. Uh, so I did get a PS5, which was super exciting. So I am playing bug snacks right now i am playing Sackboy right now and i'm playing demon souls uh sack boy is a game that i am playing with julie me and her going through it together demon souls is a game that i'm playing with peter me and him are kind of like experiencing the game together and then bug snacks is a game that came out of nowhere is a game that i am kind of playing solo uh, and i'm just like trying to platinum it um so one big achievement for me during the ps5 era is trying to platinum games uh so those are the three that i am playing All right, so right now I am playing, of course, Trails of Cold Steel 4. <laughs> Still uh, getting real close to ending it. Um, and then I'm also playing on the Switch with Ruthie Link's Awakening. Um, I'm really enjoying that so far. I really love the animation style. Uh, it's not really grabbing me like the original did on the Game Boy, but it's still nice to have a Zelda game to play that I, I can enjoy outside of breath of the wild i'm hoping one day we'll get something or i there's rumors about it but i really hope that sometime this year we get a release kind of with the 3d trilogy of mario that we get a trilogy release on the switch of zelda there's been talks of um them releasing wind waker twilight princess and skyward sword kind of in a bundle um on the switch and i would I would freak out if they did that. I would totally rebuy that and just play through all three of those games again because I love those games so much. Um, and then just for Tyler, I know you wanted me to go ahead and jump into my entertainment of the week. I wanted to recommend a movie this week uh, titled Fisherman's Friends. Uh, this is actually a movie I watched over Christmas break, uh, and it's on Netflix that you can watch. And this is a true story, or this is a film based on a true story about Port Isaac's fishermen's friends. They're a group of Cornish fishermen from Port Isaac. And basically they get signed in this movie by Universal Records and achieve a, a debut album of traditional sea shanties. And so it's a very like, it's a very different type of movie uh, than most, but it's a British movie that I really, really enjoy just because I really love the folk music in it. Uh, the singers and the music is hypnotizing. It just kind of transports you into just being on the sea. And uh, it's a very different style of movie than you normally see out there. And I love when movies like come along that are just really bright and uplifting. And uh, I highly recommend it. And if you enjoy the movie, you most likely will start listening to their albums. Uh, and they are just so hypnotizingly good. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, sweet. And that's it for me. Sweet. So I'm going to... So the one that I recommend is an anime, and that one is Jujutsu Kaisen. So Jujutsu Kaisen was one that I saw on Crunchyroll. It was part of, like, the, hey, this is a new release that's kind of popular right now. Uh, you follow a character who is 
uh, kind of like superhumanly strong. He is still a human. Um, and he joins this jujutsu society where you fight uh, these kind of like demons and these like these dark spirits. Um, it's pretty interesting. He Something happens to the main character where he consumes a piece of a very strong demon. And that demon is now kind of possessed into his body uh, that gives him some more abilities. And so him and this like this school of other kind of like demon hunting people they kind of go out and they are meant to uh kind of like fight these souls and uh, kind of like be able to um exercise them and so right now i think it's halfway through so episode 14 comes out tomorrow so i believe it comes out every saturday is when you can watch it so if you're interested and you'd be curious on to wanting to watch it kind of alongside with me you can definitely do that uh, it's on crunchyroll i don't know I know, you know, watch anime wherever you want to watch anime, but it definitely is on Crunchyroll. So it's been really fun. It's been enjoyable. And I have definitely liked it so far. Sure thing, man. I can definitely end this out. It's funny that we were able to use comments to like kind of still talk to each other and still do this. Um, it's kind of cool that even with technical difficulties, we can get it done. Um but we, we made it through two hours without any issues, so I call that a win, honestly. Um, but yes, thank you all so much for listening to our podcast, episode nine of our top 10 games that we played in 2020, um, which I realize our title in the YouTube says we paid in 2020, <laughs> which is so good. <laughs> <laughs> but i wanted to say uh if you are not following us yet uh please feel free to like us uh, punch that subscription bell become one of our subscribers uh you know we would love to keep growing the channel as we go we're happy to to do this every single week for all of our listeners out there uh calling all of our nerds with our beacon uh with this amazing illustration that tyler has created uh, but you can also follow us on twitch at calling all nerds uh, as well as you can find us uh, on, I believe we are on now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that podcasts can be subscribed to. You can find us there to listen to as well. Twitter, thank you, Tyler. Uh, and you can find us and follow us there as well. But I hope that you continue along this journey in 2021 with us as we just continue to expand what we do. Uh, but we will go ahead and sign off on, this is probably our longest one yet, but this was a great one. So thank you guys. And we will talk to you all next week. Peace.